Welcome to the Daily Drive. This show is dedicated to keeping you educated, informed, and most importantly, driven to succeed. We want your feedback, so call us at 1-800-437-5121. Everyone on the Daily Drive Show team hopes you enjoy this show. Here's your host, Ken Noor. Welcome to the Daily Drive. I hope you're having a fantastic day and that everything that you're working on is coming to fruition, that all of your dreams are in progress, and you are having a fantastic day, in fact, the best day of your life. Yesterday, we started an interview with Richard Averett from Digital Relab, and we're going to pick up where we left off. You talk about a meditative quality, which sounds like something that's important to you. Um, do you have, uh, out of just pure curiosity, do you have a morning routine? I try to have a morning routine. I often fail myself by not sticking to it. Uh, but but the, uh, the the goal is uh, I get up early. I try to read uh, for a half an hour or so, um, uh, but without opening up any devices. When the weather's good uh, and, and not too cold because I'm a bit of a wuss, I go for a run. Uh, and and then uh, um, typically then get into work, but and and then in the fall that shifts around a little bit because I'm I'll swap the reading and the run, as I say for uh, for uh, for being in a tree watching sunrise and occasionally uh, taking a shot of the deer. Do you use your running as time to reflect? That's a, that's alone time. I mean that's time that you're really kind of in your mind, or uh, it's kind of hard to be anywhere else. Absolutely. It is, uh, it is, um, without that, uh, combination of physical, you know, exertion and, uh, and, uh, and, and sort of alone time, uh, I don't, I, I can't, I can't stay stable. My wife, my wife, when I'm, when I'm being a jerk, my wife will say, get out of the house and go for a run. You know, uh, so it, it is, it is, uh, it is definitely something that gives me that space. And, and you know, I find that, once you get going like that and your and your head clears, you can really come up with all your best solutions. So they never they never happen when you're sitting staring at a screen. I agree with you. I, I think that it's an important part for me anyway. It it launches my day. It, it gives me a trajectory yeah. uh, to to begin. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about decisions at that point in time. It allows my mind to be free because it's just a routine I go through, and before. Yeah the wildness, if you will, or the uh, some of the unstructured part of my day begins once I get to the office and, you know, people are pulling me in a bunch of different directions. I'm, I'm able to do that thinking because once I get there, more, a lot of that uh, is taken away. I try to make time for it while I'm at the office, but it's not yeah. as easy. You know, you've got so many competing demands. What makes you happy? Really, family time makes me happy. I mean, I, I really, I really enjoy... Uh, and, and I would say more than anything, uh, in many ways, it's being in the role of the host. Um, I like to uh, to take care of uh, of the people that are in my life and that I care about. I like to make them dinner. I like to make them nice cocktails. I like to serve a good bottle of wine. I like to sit and have good conversation and hear their stories. I get a lot of joy out of watching other people be happy. You know, um, that leads right in. I, I told you before we 
you know, went on the, came on the show that mm-hmm. there's a piece out there that says you have a servant, uh, style uh, of leadership and you just alluded to that uh, and being the host you that you want to care for others help me understand that help our audience understand what does that mean you know part of it is what we said i mean there's a piece of it that is sort of purely self-satisfying which is that i get joy out of seeing other people uh experience joy and be happy but in a work environment i need a lot of skills on our team to do the work that we do the vast majority of them are skills I actually don't have. I mean, I don't know. I, I've never written a line of well, I have written a line of code when I was a kid, but I mean, I really, I'm not a developer, right? I'm also, I'm also not great uh, at the at the intense detail side for project management, and I'm not great at the, at the marketing stuff, the decisions that would have to be made. For, so, you know, so when you look across the spectrum of things that we need done, many of them are skills I actually don't possess myself. What I'm good at is identifying where are the gaps and then finding the right people to fill them. And so my role, I see my role as CEO as um, getting the right people on the team, making sure they have everything they need, that means both resources and opportunity and space and information, to excel and then get out of the way and let them, and let them do their best work. And so it's a, it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not at all, uh, in the management style of a, of a Steve Jobs. I, I, I wouldn't claim to have that level of, of, uh, intense clarity on what, it, what needs to be built. I mostly say I'm going to get really smart people who I know are committed to the, to the goals that we have, and I'm going to then, uh, lean on them to help us create together. They say that there are three types of CEOs. Uh, CEOs either focus around sales, operations, or they're a financial-based CEO. Where, where would you put yourself? That's a really interesting question. I, ha- I haven't heard it framed like that. I, I might say I'm a fourth kind, too. I focus on my clients. So from that perspective, I'm a sales side. It's that, what is the, but it's not just sales. It's really, cu- it's really success, customer success. I want to know, in the same way that I want to know my guests are happy, I want to know my clients are pleased with what they've got. Uh, and then I focus on my team because what I know is that if my team is thriving and showing up every day excited to work, even when the work is hard, even when it's uncertain, then we're going to get the best possible outcome. We kind of sit in between, well, product, customer, but customer being more the the driving piece there and team HR kind of in the operations. So, yeah, I, I don't know that you fit in a, one of those boxes, but you had a... Uh, as you kind of alluded to early, uh, a, a a unique background that has led you to here. So most people are not product or they are product. Oh, that's not the one I'm looking at. Most people don't work inside their area of degree. So what was the degree you had again? Fine arts and art history. I started out as a uh, as a fine arts photographer, and and uh, and then of course because it's hard to make a living as a as a fine artist for anyone. Uh, I worked as a commercial photographer for the first six years or so of my career uh, out in California. Wow. And now you're in the Blue Ridge foothills and uh, leading a technology company. There's a journey there. Um, yeah. Which we There's probably sure. don't have time to explore all of it. But so how long have you been the CEO of Digital Relab? Uh, for, for four years, almost four and a half years now. Uh, and so at my co-founder, 
Peter Agilasto is actually the sort of product vision uh, visionary who who launched this software uh, journey uh, in in about 2011. Um, and so when I when I met him in 2014, uh, he said, "Look, I've been working on this thing for a number of years, and I've got this client, Bob Dylan, and I think I might be onto something. Can you can you give me some business advice?" And that became uh, a sort of a long courtship uh, because I was blown away by his thinking and his level of creativity and sort of the alignment. And from my background in photography, I, I, I sort of intuitively understood the challenge he was working to solve. Um, and we made an agreement to form a business together and extend what he had done for the Bob Dylan Music Company uh, to, a, to a sort of more uh, a, br- a broad application that could serve a lot of different client types, but really focused on, as he likes to say, whether it's heavy metal or, or, or medical records, digital media is digital media. It, they have different file types, but they have kind of the same core structure and same and same core problems or challenges. You were there kind of the inception of turning this into a business, although it, it was doing the Bob Dylan stuff. You You wanted to expand it out. How important are the employees that you have to the overall success of your organization? We live or die by them. Uh, there's there there is no um, there's no one on my team that I wouldn't fight to keep, and and uh, and there are uh, you know I don't think any company hinges on any one person typically, but there are a few really key players that that would be very difficult for us to replace. Um, uh, you know. Under any circumstances, so they're 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 the whole deal. How do you go about finding people that care as much for your organization as maybe you and your co-founder do? It's not easy, right? You you I mean you you uh, hire very very slowly and only when you need to, and then you see that as a great responsibility. Every every person we bring on uh, is somebody we need to take care of provide for, educate, get up to speed, and make sure that they're positioned to thrive, right? Because that's the only way it works. So I will say one of the fascinating things about this company is that when you look across the array of, of, of our team, and it's not that big, we're about 18, um, more than two-thirds of the people on this team have self-recruited. So they were, so uh, Megan Knutson, for example, our, our, our head of customer success, was was a client uh, at Big Machine Records, and we spent six months or so working together to sort of put together a way a proposal for how we could move the record label forward. And in the end, the record label, uh, her her higher ups, uh, did not move forward with the project, and uh, she thought that was a huge mistake. Uh, um, and she called us and said, "You know what? Uh, I think you guys are the future." Can I come work for you? Oh, wow. We had established a remarkable uh, friendship already and just had a lot of respect for her. And she's, she's an incredible player. Uh, Corey Comiso uh, on our team uh, uh, is our digital archive specialist. She was a volunteer for one of our clients, the Studs Turkle Radio Archive Project. Then she ended up as a consultant uh, helping the American Center for Oriental Research in Amman, Jordan, choose a platform for their photo archive. And she told them about about our platform since she had worked on it for the Studs project, and uh, she helped us basically brought our our system into their 
into their organization, got it up and running. And then as she was moving back from having lived in uh, in uh, uh, Dakar for seven years, uh, I asked her, I said, so, Corey, when you come back to the States, do you have a job? And she said, no, I'm trying to figure out what's next. And I said, well, how about coming to the Blue Ridge and working with us? And so, you know, when you and, – and that's how we got her. So for us, many of the people on our team have come more organically along the way from being people that we had built a trusted working relationship with and uh, and realized, you know, we were very well aligned. One of the key things that you said is is hire slowly. Take your time and try to find the right people. Sometimes that's not easy to do uh, when you're in a, you know, heavy growth orientation. Uh, sometimes it's almost about uh, you need, you need you know, warm bodies, but... Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Take your time to find the right people for your team. What has been your most satisfying moment so far? One of the most satisfying moments, for sure, was was uh, delivering the uh, the a copy of the Dillon Archive to the University of Tulsa. They, there was a big acquisition with the George Kaiser Family Foundation and the University of Tulsa. And they basically bought the physical objects and with it a digital copy of the Dillon Archive to use for educational research, uh, you know, museum-like purposes there. And when we, when, when they, in their minds, their, they had bought 6,000 physical objects, right? That's the way they thought of what they had purchased and what they were acquiring as a university. And when we showed up and installed, uh, the system there and then sort of walked them through it, and they saw that even in the early days, there were 95,000 digital objects in this archive. And so where one thing might have that they bought might have been uh, a box of photographs, now these photographs were coming to life, and each one is a story, you know. And and where they had where a cassette tape that was was in one of the things they bought in the archive, and now it is a high resolution wave file, and you can hear. The, the, the song, or you can hear Dylan preaching, or you can hear whatever it was on that tape that was so, that, that now it becomes a moving experience, where before it was this, you know, just this physical thing. And so they, they we, we watched their faces um, just break into these huge grinning smiles, feeling so satisfied that they had, that they had brought such a, a powerful cultural experience into their, into their organization. And it was so much more than what they thought it was. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we think about all the time as a company is that these, you know, I, I have hard, I have, I have the same problem. I right? it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a cobbler's kid scenario, right? Like I, my, my archive is a mess. I need some more time on it and I can do it with our software if I, if I make the space for it. But, but the point is I have, you know, we all have these shoe boxes or hard drives where these things are locked up. And when you go back through them, right, you go, you, you, you open up that hard drive, you plug it in, you scroll back through the history that you care about. You have those moments that flood back in that are all not, not just about, hey, this is a picture of my daughter. But when I see a picture of my daughter on a swing, I remember the day, right? It's like reliving a story. And, and so, and, and or getting into someone else's story if you're visiting you know, an icon like the Dylan Archive or the Leonard Cohen Archive or Studs Terkel's Archive. And and to us, that's really, that's really what it's all about. I mean, the you know, I like to tell people all the time, nobody buys software 
because it's cool, right? And it does funky things. Like you want to solve a problem. None of us really want more software in our life. So our goal is is not to be focused. We're focused on the utility of our platform, but not because the platform is what we care about. What we care about is making it possible for you to relive those stories, to to experience all of that history and or take advantage of the things you have in new creative ways, right? It's not just all about archives. Also, in the forward-looking thing, like how do I – I have all of this stuff. If I only could find it, I could do so much more with it. If I can, let me tell you two quick uh, little tidbit stories that are, that are, that are you know, because we, we, we often, one of the challenges for us as a company, one of the beautiful things about being uh, into these archives like Dylan and Seth Turkle and Leonard Cohen and Sherman Grinberg and all these others is that those are really uh, the iconic collections. However, right. sometimes people think, oh, well, this is, if you're not an important archive, maybe this isn't for us. But I'll give you two real-world examples that sort of get to what you were just saying. So one of my good friends is an art director at a very successful marketing agency, and he and I were talking last week having lunch about, uh, you know, I was like, Dale, why don't you have this system? I mean, we, 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 I can solve some of the problems you're talking about. He was saying that over 20 years, they have purchased thousands and thousands of stock Im- images. Sure. Right? And they, they own the rights to those stock images. But every one of those stock images ends up embedded somewhere nested deep in a series of project folders related to a particular project over years gone by. And so because of that, every time they need an image, many times they have gone back and bought the same image again because that was easier. That was easier than trying to find the one they already own, right? And so when you think about that over a 20-year period, for an agency like this, think about like just solving that problem alone. You're absolutely right. I I, I know for a fact um, you know, we've done the same thing. There's uh, uh, yeah. over the course of uh, of just a you know a little over ten years. I guarantee you, we own images we we don't know we own anymore. I mean, they're they're just lost. They're in our. They're here. They're in a server yeah. on a uh, in a folder somewhere. They're here. Yeah. Um, but they're they're useless. They're lost, and yeah. and our current uh, you know personnel wouldn't have no idea where to go retrieve them. You know, yeah. um, even our even our personnel who may have bought that image and actually did it have lost it back in some folder somewhere. Like where would I yeah. get that? I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, well, you, um, you know, and I'm and thinking you, of that on so many other asset levels. You're talking about images, but there's images, there's sounds, there's there's video, yeah. there's. There's documents, and I was looking at, you know, as I, uh, did, again, did the research, you, know, you guys, OCR, which is for our audience, optical character recognition, meaning you can actually take a, a printed document that is not like Word and extract all the characters out of it and find the words, and I can now, uh, you know, search for the phrases that appear in images. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, PDFs, PDFs come in two kinds, right? There's PDFs that were created from original Word docs, and they kind of come in this format, there's another kind of PDF that's really image-based, right? Uh, as, as, you know, and, and the image-based ones uh, are typically trickier for a lot of systems to get intelligence into, right? They, 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 you know, without OCR, you don't really read the text. Um, right. And, uh, but but we, we uh, great announcement we just recently were authorized to make. For about a year now, we have been the backbone for a new um, crime series called Interrogation. Uh, that John Mankiewicz uh, uh, 
co-created. So this is the guy who did Bosch and House of Cards. And he's one of our clients. And this, and in this crime series, right, it's like 30 years of, uh, images, um, recordings from interviews and depositions and, uh, and police records, right? Well, how do you get five or six different writers to collaborate on that collection plus legal to go through it? So they dumped all of that stuff into, into our platform. We gave them, they were allowed, they were able then to search into all of those documents that were PDFs, right? So because they now had, they now had text related to them so they could search on topics and names and things. Um, and, and then they were able to collaboratively curate a 16 part series in the system by sort of assembling the storyline as they went along. You know, in, in, even though they're spread around, they, some of them are in Sweden and some are in LA, you know, and so, so, you know, again, a totally, it's a radically different use case than the Dylan right. archive, but it's, but when you think about it, it's, you're, you're doing the same kinds of things just for a different end game. Yeah, as you're sitting here talking to me, I, I just realized that what your, your system, you talk about totally different in, uh, you know, in, uh, use case. Yeah, uh, it, it is your system actually could be used in in law enforcement. Uh, you could take possession yep. of a of a, a criminal's computer, or or better yet, you know, a major investigation that's that's going into a corrupt organization. Pull all of their data in, and then suddenly all of their files in, and then suddenly be able to see deep inside of it, which that level of research uh, would take, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of man hours to do and 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 still maybe completely miss documents and whatnot because yeah. you, you can't see them images and whatnot of what they've been doing it's amazing to me what what you guys have created i, I could do this all day I, I this is i'm having a really interesting conversation with you richard richard i really want to take take the time to thank you bottom of my heart for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on our show you're you provide value to our audience and and that's really important and i and we appreciate it we appreciate it a lot well thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure and i i look forward to listening it really was truly a pleasure meeting with richard and i hope that you learned some good things uh, that you can add to your tool bag some golden nuggets you can put in your pockets if you will and I hope that you join us tomorrow on The Daily Drive. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening and thanks to our sponsor, That Company. Why is that company the white label digital marketing provider for some of the biggest agencies in the industry? Because we get results, we retain clients, and we deliver profitability. Visit www.thatcompany.com to find out how we can make your agency more profitable. If you want to give us feedback, call us now at 1-800-437-5121 or drop by dailydriveshow.com. Make sure you add us to your Alexa daily briefing skill. Don't forget that you can listen to us live every day on WQBQ at 7.30 a.m. The show wouldn't be possible without the Daily Drive Show team, executive producer Jake Perrick, web guru Taj Royer, and the audio man with the plan shoddy. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow.